Welcome to Generously Speaking, a podcast series developed by Capital Development Services, where we hear from area philanthropists, foundation executives, corporate leaders, and others who share their experience, insights, and ideas on the nature of generosity and philanthropic giving. Here are your hosts, Alan Burroughs and Claire Jordan. In our work, we have the privilege of meeting some pretty incredible people. This podcast provides a platform to share some of the conversations we get to have with a broader audience, bringing thought leaders in the nonprofit sector directly to you since you cannot always come to them. We want to highlight generosity by speaking with those who can help share your stories of great philanthropy. In addition to the audio on our podcast recording, you can also access episode notes of these conversations on our website at capdev.com slash podcasts. It's been said that raising money and building a culture of philanthropy is both art and science. Over the next several podcasts, we at CapDev will invite colleagues and clients to explore and discuss relevant capital campaigns to illustrate the art and science. Today is a continuation of our discussion regarding the campaign case for support. Last time, we talked about how to create the case. Today is about ways to share the case with donors to motivate generosity. Again, we have three guests with us today. Iris Cole, Senior Strategist at M Creative, a values-driven strategic communication firm based in Winston-Salem. We have Rob Hudspeth, who is the President of Appalachian Regional Healthcare Foundation and the Senior Vice President for System Advancement at Appalachian Regional Healthcare System in Boone. And we have Lily Skokebunch, Senior Counsel with CapDev, who served as counsel for the Appalachian Regional Healthcare Foundation client. They have so much of value to share with us, and we're excited to have them with us. The final campaign priority was something, and again, we identified these four strategic areas to really meet the community's need. The, the fourth one was uh, reimagined um, orthopedic and a wellness program. Our orthopedic surgeries have tripled in the last five years. And so more and more and, and younger people are having surgery. We wanted to have an offering like that because a lot of our seasonal residents, particularly are elderly, and they want to continue playing golf and tennis and and cycling and hiking and getting outdoors. That's why they want to be in the mountains. And so that theme, access to a great orthopedic program. And, and we're not just talking about surgery. We're talking about non-surgical interventions as well. Every campaign priority really uh, addressed a need that I think resonated with someone, uh, regardless of age or physical condition. And I thought M Creative and, and CapDev did a great job helping us capture the essence of what those program priorities were and really being able to communicate that effectively. Okay, you also want to share a tiny bit more language from the actual case itself, the name of the campaign, Higher Elevation, we've talked about on the cover of this beautiful piece that we'll attach on the podcast on our website. It says, a campaign to go above and beyond in the delivery of premier health care for all in the high country. We've talked about a lot of that. Can you all talk a little bit more about what were the reactions to getting this out in people's hands and the kind of conversations you got to have with donors? I'll jump in. So the initial reaction when the staff even got that document was a real boost and a motivator to everyone to to get that document out in the field. So was it a, a gut reaction? It, was it, it like it was. I mean those boxes came and it was like 
There were tears when people we, were emotionally moved by it. When we read the anthem, which Rob has masterfully started almost every broad meeting that we've had by reading the anthem. There's a mm. particular person on the staff who has a very passionate voice. She almost sings it. Um, she reads it at events, and it's almost like a blessing. It focuses us and grounds us on why we're here. Right, that that word "why" again has a real impact on people's emotions around why the four priorities that we identified in the document are important. I think with that little teaser you gave at the end, we're going to have to recite a little, somebody's going to need to read okay, this. To we read can't just anthem. talk about it. Yeah, not, that's yeah. right. We'll have to well, do that here. And that, that really became, I think, and Iris, you should probably speak to this, but I think in my mind, what M Creative did was took this text-heavy document that tried to articulate the why, but really was focused on what and how. That makes sense to everybody, just to really think about it. They they took that and framed the anthem as 100% the why. And then, oh, by the way, page one is about this, page two is about this, page three. But but all the while, all you're thinking about was what was in that anthem. Okay, so I got to change this a little bit because before we go to donor reactions, we just have to say, y'all did all this without ever actually meeting in person. That's so true. Talk about this development during COVID. Well, and just to say that this time right now doing this podcast is the first time that all of us have been together in a room. It's so nice to be together in a room. It's so nice to be together in a room. Just met Mary and Iris, so it's a pleasure to meet you all. So good to be with you. It feels so odd um, that we would have walked through this process in a virtual space because, you know, for me in my creative process, I want to see. I want to touch. I want to, I want to really engross myself in something to feel that I can talk about it. But I think what was so powerful, and we've talked about this before, was that the, the good work, this it's incredible strategic work that was done, set such a firm foundation for the relationship that we were going to have. Um, and we found ways. I mean, we found creative ways of coming together, having the right conversations, setting up systems so that we could communicate effectively. And, you know, a, a relationship of trust, right, that's hard to build in a virtual space that allowed us to go back and forth and get to what was such a powerful document. Right. You developed a beautiful thing with just seeing each other in little boxes. That's impressive. And the campaign itself, too, Rob, had to happen that way. Right. I mean, you aren't really able to see donors in the way you would like to, are you? We were not able to in the beginning. And that's, of course, loosening. And I'll tell you, when we did our feasibility study, that was part of the consideration. Can we reach? We're very fortunate to have so many very uh, affluent people, particularly seasonal in our communities. They come here from Florida and New York and they want to escape the hot weather in the summer. And we're just so fortunate. The question was, how are we going to be able to access them? Um, They're typically much older. And so technology may not be their friend in some cases. Lily was um, adamant that we could still reach them. And so we pushed through with the campaign. And I wasn't sure, I'll, I'll, I'll have to say. And now, as I said, it's starting to open up and we're 
we're able to get to those people again. Do you have some so, back porch meetings and some walks on the golf course kind we, of things? Just as you would imagine, uh, we sat on porches with masks, and it was it was tough. And we had, frankly, a lot of people in the beginning that said, I'm just not comfortable yet. And so um, we said, we'll send you some material. But we know that face-to-face, that's where we would need to make these appeals and, and really present this campaign case. And so, you know, being able to hand this brochure to them was very impactful. It put extra emphasis on this development of this piece, didn't it? Because normally we talk about the printed piece isn't going to be the campaign for you. It's who hands out the printed piece. It's the leader who comes to you and brings it in their hand. But in this case, it was different. It was more important, right? It was. That was, you know, one of the only tools we had. And so um, we like to tell stories. And so face-to-face meetings allow for that. But uh, a lot of times we'd say, this is what we're trying to do. We're not asking you for a gift yet, but we want you to be familiar with what we're trying to accomplish and the needs we're trying to meet. We needed to make that piece work really hard um, and do a lot in very little space. But I think one of the beautiful things about the case piece is that it really evokes emotions very quickly because it has really rich photography. The graphic elements sort of move up in the page, you know, whether it's stepping stones or even, you know, how the text sort of floats off the page. It has really clear uh, language about the strategic priority. So it does a lot um, in a very small um, print piece. But I think also we had to get creative with you about what we could wrap around the print piece in an environment like this. So um, we created a microsite that was available digitally. In addition to this print piece, we did a lot of sort of storytelling and prepared presentations that could be, you know, you could use the microsite on a on an iPad if you were outside sitting on a porch and walking somebody through the campaign. So we did do some work to see what we could wrap around it. The other part, the additional part, you know, it's not just about the campaign. The piece also um, outlines sort of who we are, because a lot of people that would be getting it would only have maybe one or, or actually no uh, healthcare instances with us. And so we needed to be able to say who we are and that we deliver high quality healthcare. The story that keeps coming to my mind as well, which bridges some of the earlier conversation we had about what really resonated with donors about the why and then this document and how it translated into what has been arguably tremendous early success in the campaign. The Schaefer's who named the bed tower as a family gift and is actually our lead gift to the campaign. They, for a variety of health reasons, were not able to meet with us in person during the feasibility study. I spent an incredibly rich two hours on the phone with Jamie Schaefer as a part of the feasibility study. And they, to me, exemplify the why for this campaign was very clearly Jamie saying to me, Look, I can go anywhere I want for my health care. Our family has buildings named in, in Miami, in New York. I have a reserved room at any of the best hospitals in the country that I want to have health care. Even though the room at Appalachian Regional Healthcare System is small, it's crumbling, it's miserable, to be perfectly honest. And she said that to me. But what happens inside that room is worth a million bucks. And that's what motivated their gift. They said, so imagine if we can, again, that sense of access for people who might not have the resources that they have. 
what Jamie said to me is imagine if what happened in that room was also in a comfortable room where my wife could be with me and where the machines could fit in and where all those kinds of things. And that's what really motivated, I think, a big part of that contribution for the Shaver family. That and the fact that they spent 72 nights in the hospital two years ago. <laughs> so They really know. Now you're getting into the donor reactions to yeah. people getting to hold this in their hands. Were there people that held on to this case and that received it from you who you didn't get to see in person that had a really positive reaction in terms of their giving to? Uh, lots of people, actually. This wasn't a mass mailing. We targeted mm-hmm. to whom we would send it. Then we would follow up with a call. And depending upon where you are in your healthcare journey, some people would say, oh, this is great. Uh, this new family medicine residency program that you're starting, um, that's going to mean better access for me. You know, gosh, I'm so glad you're doing this. That hospital is 60 years old. It's a Hilburton Act hospital. My family couldn't even sit down on the couch in the room. And so depending upon who it was, the responses were overwhelmingly uh, See, I think that's, that's an important part of this because very often I get calls in our office that say, hey, we want a campaign. Could you help us come up with some materials and maybe like a CD or something, a video, you know, yeah. that we can hand out to people? And I say, well, those are parts of a campaign potentially, but really what matters is the strategy behind how you go about sharing this piece. And Lily, I know you all worked closely on that part, but there's a lot more to it than just creating a material and putting it out into the world. That doesn't automatically get the reaction that you want, right? Of course, in a perfect world, capital development, I, I think I can say this with great confidence, would never suggest mailing a no. brochure like that to a donor. We didn't but have much choice. In this mm-hmm. case, we had no choice. Mm-hmm. But what Rob and his team did magically is that was just the opening of the door, right? right. We're going to send you this piece. And then the donor would read the anthem and read the priorities. And then the relationship that Rob and his team would leverage and continue to develop over the phone or on a porch if that was the appropriate mode. Um, So we did mail this a lot more than we typically would. And again, to Iris's point, it had to really work. It was more important to this campaign than material is to most campaigns. And I'll say a lot of the language was our campaign can't wait till the end of COVID. We're going forward. We have to. And so people responded to that. They did. Urgency and relevancy Mm -hmm. are words I use a lot in our work. And I love this call sort of at the very end on the back where it says, like the mountains all around us, we are solid and strong and rising. It's a beautiful summary. I just want to interject that we've been talking about this anthem and referencing this beautiful anthem that's part of this case for support. And I think it's important that listeners get to hear it read. So here you go. Life in the high country is different. Here is a place that gets inside your heart and soul, changing your expectations with every green valley, every steep ridge, and majestic peak. Maybe you were born here, or maybe you come from somewhere else. Home sweet home, or home away from home, we all have our own stories. But one truth is shared among us all. We feel something special here that feels different from anywhere else. 
This is the guiding vision of Appalachian Regional Healthcare System. Iris, how do you all come up with this stuff? Oh my goodness, our, our I just have to give props to our team. I mean, we have an amazing team of writers, of designers, of strategists, and all of that comes together. One of the things that I really love about the work that we do at M Creative is that even though all of those people have different sort of superpowers, we all take the time to come together to talk about how it all intertwines. And so I'm just going to thank Stephen for that one because <laughs> he is amazing and he is able to really get at that why and distill it down into something that just meets me where I am. Stephen was terrific. You know, the imagery here on the back page, it talks about solid and strong and rising. There's a picture of a, a, a ladder. That ladder's probably been there for, I don't know, 50 years. It's repaired all the time. Um, it's up on top of a mountain on Grandfather. And it just, uh, the imagery was perfect with the words that you all put together. You all, I want to give you a chance to add anything else you want to say about any of uh, this process, the case, the delivery, the work with donors in articulating and sharing it. I will say that being a nonprofit, Lily, I have to give her credit. She said, we really need to help people understand the difference in nonprofit um, healthcare and mm -hmm. uh, for-profit healthcare. And that was another theme. Um, it's not sexy, but it helps people understand that every we need their support to continue to uh, thrive and, and grow and build yeah, stronger. That's what the social sector is about. And that gets to that altruism point that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I will say uh, also the brochure was great. The microsite is terrific. Um, it allows us to get, you know, information, you know, regular updates to keep the campaign relevant for people. And we did use some video and uh, we may use this podcast as well to keep people engaged in what we're trying to accomplish. So we did a great video of the Schaefer's and they talked about why for them. And that was very impactful. The more people that are out there talking about you, the better for a campaign. This, exactly. is, this is a big point of why we do what we do. And one of the things we like to do with this podcast is end every episode that we tape with a question to you, an opportunity to talk about what do you consider, since we're called Generously Speaking, what is a favorite example of generosity? of yours it can be anything family thing something from this campaign a, another opportunity that you've met with a donor when you say generosity i like to always reference this joy of generosity quote that i use that actually came from a good friend's funeral that's what was said about her what sparks that for you when you hear that what has been so profoundly impactful to me is the difference between some of the donations that we learned about over the course of the feasibility study and then what individuals ended up committing to the campaign. So we are in the wonderful position to be able to have candid conversations with donors as a part of feasibility studies. And when somebody says to us in a feasibility study, I really love these priorities that are outlined in this document, I believe in healthcare, I think my family and I would consider a gift of $50,000. And then when it gets to the point where Rob and his team are soliciting them and they have this document in front of them that has clearly engaged them in a very different way, and they say, you know, we're thinking more about $500,000 to this campaign. So they've essentially added a zero from what they originally were thinking about. And to me, what makes that happen? What was it that got somebody to go from 50000 to 500000 is it's not just a brochure. It's not just how cute Rob is. <laughs> it is 
how we articulate what impact that donor can have and what legacy they can leave through philanthropy. That's the magic to me. And that's why I chose to do what I do for a living. I love it when people take pride in their generosity. The Schaefer's really take pride in their new Schaefer family patient care tower. Um, It's theirs. I think they think of it as theirs. And so um, I really love seeing that. We did a, a, a groundbreaking event and we called them to the podium and we were thanking them. And they actually said, don't thank us. We want to thank all the providers. And they called them one by one by name. They oh. did it for the people. Yeah. yeah. For all the right reasons. They called providers by name mm. and they think of us as their family. Oh, and that was, precious. that was wonderful. We get to see that in a number of our clients, especially when they're sort of scholarship recipient people who think of their scholarship recipients as yeah. their children. They are family. And I think Iris, you know, some who I'm thinking of that are familiar to you. I mean, those, those donor experiences are so touching. And I think the real reason behind we do this and the reason why I ask this question, you know, I don't have a a specific example that I'm going to offer up, but I just want to piggyback on what's been said because, you know, the objective of the campaign was really to make sure that people saw themselves in the campaign, that they had ownership and pride about their investment. And I think for me, when I think about generosity, I think about what is my opportunity to change generations by making this one small, medium, large investment today in my community and the people that surround me. And so I just think that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. example that you Mm -hmm. shared um, about that legacy and and that change. That's why we call this generously speaking. It's all about the things we all get to do, the privilege of helping make our world better. So thank you all for making our day a little bit better today and for all that this campaign did and all that you get to do all the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Our next episode in the series of Building Philanthropy will focus on building an organization's capacity to undertake a campaign and the importance of building a strong and sustainable and inclusive development plan. You've been listening to Generously Speaking, a podcast series developed by Capital Development Services, where we hear from area philanthropists, foundation executives, corporate leaders, and others who share their experience, insights, and ideas on the nature of generosity and philanthropic giving. Look for our podcast episode notes at capdev.com. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn.